so revolutionized because we're on the other side, we don't understand it, but that this was the biggest controversy that could possibly happen the church at this moment. It was a, it was a, it was, it took off in the context of from the upper room to a blown out, God began to pour out his spirit on all flesh, but it was in the Jewish context. And so now, people who don't, who are not Jewish, are now experiencing the same things that Jewish people were experiencing in this New Testament type era with the Holy Spirit. What do you do with that? All the way through the, what we've come through in church ages, we've, since the time of, of Jesus and the early church, we've come through ebbs and flows. The early church faced persecution, went underground. Then all of a sudden, Constantine made Christianity the religion. And you'd think that that would be the pinnacle of what happened, but in essence, what it created was this whole thing of Christianity that kind of totally lost its power and its influence, and it just kind of became uh, political and became uh, dominating. It, it overlapped the entire world till finally someone, Luther, came and knocked a few theses on the door to revolutionize and bring reformation. What is so important about that is because your faith, what took place as a little place which became a national religion, lost its whole tender of what Christianity was all about till Martin Luther put his theses on the door. And then even then the church fought itself because God doesn't like to be put in a box of our own making. He wants to break out because he wants to tell you about who he is from Scripture. Not from your experience, not from what you think you know. He wants to be able to show you who he really is. Even Peter needed that. In the midst of your struggle of what you face each and every day, God desires to break out and to surprise your socks off. But did you know that in the context of a surprise, there's a correction? In the context of a surprise, there's a correction. And I want you to know that because in the, in the context, we have to know that there is a correction here because if you don't catch the correction, you'll only hear the theme of the whole tender of this, of what the, the lectionary will want to tell you. Now, why is that so important? Because I will tell you in a few minutes as we get to my other notes, okay? So, we've gone through the fact that there's this Jewish and Gentile thing that was taking place. You have to realize that Jewish people at this point, when Peter was up on the roof, 
They didn't really talk to Gentiles. They certainly didn't touch them, and they never would have eaten with them. Now, it's hard to see the institutionalized racism in the days of the early church because we're so far removed from that life. They lived out a separate, segregated existence, and it was a huge part of their identity as being Jewish. And think about the way they framed their own self-understanding. They were not Gentiles, and that was a big part to what it meant to be Jewish. And while we might not understand that so much in Western societies, we do like to divide the world up on a dividing line. Christian versus non-Christian, liberal versus conservative, male versus female, gay versus straight, Canadian versus American. I was going to go Saskatchewan versus Alberta, Flames versus Oilers, vaccinated and non-vaccinated, Coke versus Pepsi. Now, the labels aren't necessarily bad or wrong. They can be helpful from time to time, but some people find their greatest source of life from identifying with their particular tribe. And some people go further. They protect who they are by excluding who they are not. And this is what the Jewish people did in exile. It was the Israelites versus the everybody. In order to, rem to remain, they were in, an, in a minority position and they were dominated and in order to keep their way of life, they segregated themselves. And it, there was an aspect to this that, that God asked them to do. And, and, and you wonder why this whole thing of eating unclean foods, what was it all about? Well, you can, you can read it in Le Leviticus uh, chapter 11. But you have to really think about what's happening here. God is violating Peter's sense of morality. Peter will not even touch these unclean foods. And where did Peter get the idea? Well, it's in Scripture. Well, now, well, if it's in Scripture, what's, what's the issue? Well, again, you have to understand that it's not the rules and regulations that you have to walk by. You have to go by the character of who God is. And who he is is ultimately in Jesus Christ. He's our ultimate example. You see, we have to look to Jesus and remember Jesus said it first and, and not our understanding of the scriptures that reveals God to us. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20, he said, and he called people to him and said to them, hear and understand, it is not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying, he answered, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone that they are blind guides. And if a blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to them, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. So the Mosaic Covenant was a human construct of limited purpose. 
It was inspired by divinity, but captured by humanity. And remember, the tablets God wrote on by hand were broken. They only had the copy that Moses made. And we know that from what Jesus, that from Jesus, that the Mosaic log had uh, concessions in for their limitations. They couldn't see a woman in more than just property, so Moses gave them the concession of divorce. They were always tempted to fall into the pagan idolatry of other nations, so Leviticus gave them rituals around food and clothing, which kept them separate. But it never made them holy. And if you want to stay away from people to keep holy, your holiness is weak. That was a good time to say amen. But, because I'm doing two sets of notes, i got to hurry along. <coughs> Jesus tells us that our standing before God is not determined by keeping ourselves from contamination. Our standing before God is determined by how we give, love, and serve from our heart. Remember the scripture passage? The one, this new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. So, we can be defiled, but we're always defiled by the dysfunction that comes out of us. The heart set on evil things will eventually harm other people, and this is what ultimately defiles us, using our God-given freedom to violate other people for our own gain. And this is why it's so dangerous to maintain a false sense of religious holiness while harming other people with our selfishness. Well, I, I believe God only works this way. But I'm going to, when I run my business, I'm going to make you grovel. I'm going to overcharge you. I'm going to gouge you. You see, one hand we say we're holy, the other hand says, yeah, I want what I can get out of you right now. And there are a lot of Christians that are living this duplicity, saying that they are this when they're really that. They're living this, and they're saying that. Peter doesn't have anything to do with Gentiles. He doesn't care about them. They're on, they aren't even on his radar. And, on the and as a consequence of his selfishness, he almost misses a chance to share the love of Christ with the rest of the known world. And think about how big this is. Imagine denying someone else the love of Christ because you're worried about violating your conscience. When you see someone who is living in hope Sorry, in open, fragrant sin, what's your first thought? Is it genuinely, I love you, or is it, I wish you'd change? See, right after Jesus teaches them that they're not washing their hands, does not make you morally dirty, he proves it. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28, it says here that, the Canaanite woman from that region came, came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter, is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. 
And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came back and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That's what we're dealing with. Okay, That's the context of how life was then. But she answers in faith and says, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And that's what changed God's. That's what changed Jesus' mind or his heart. And he said, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus goes to a Gentile woman, someone they would have considered to be more, no more than a dog, and gave her the children's bread of healing. So when Jesus says it's not right to take the children's bread and throw to the dogs, he's actually quoting the culture around him. It's what his own disciples think. But this is the inside joke Jesus shares with the unclean foreign woman. He says this is the surprise that Peter saw in his vision. God does not exclude people. That's the context of what is being brought across here in the vision, that God doesn't exclude people. Now, why is it that I want to jump? Because if you only hear that in the context of this passage, you will, I, I'm afraid that, you will, that the voice of that will only come in the context of our culture at this particular time. The context of our culture right now is not to exclude anybody. So what happens is, is that chapters 10 and 11, talking about not excluding people, and the context of where we're at culturally can get blended in and become one. Not a bad thing, it's scripture. And here's where my prophetic edge touches and drives me to my knees and I think, God, is this worldwide Christianity coming once again? Where we lose the distinctiveness of who God is. Where we paint this broad paintbrush and we think that grand is the issue and we've lost the very essence of what God desires to do and to break in and to surprise us. We get lost in culture and we can't see the forest through the trees. Now hear me out. Some of you are going, are you for this or are you against this? I can see it in your eyes. And what I'm trying to say is this, is I believe that God doesn't exclude anybody. That context and that theme is right. But I also want you to understand is that there is correction here. Just as much as there's a theme of, of inclusiveness 
there is also a correction for the people of God. In order to understand and experience and to fully grasp the surprise that God wants to bring you and I, we have to understand more than just what is taking place. We have to also see and know from the context that God is bigger. What he wants to do is greater than what we can see, imagine, think, feel, experience. God just doesn't want to bring an, an inclusiveness to say, well, just, just the message of that the poor and the rich and the woman and the man and the whatever, da-da-da, are all included in the things of God. Wonderful. But does that tell us who really God is? You see, we have to be able to see, as the people of God, God bringing about reformation. He woke up the church to the greater things of God. It took a brave person like Martin Luther to write on the, the thesis is on the door and say, the just will live by faith. You see, God desires for you not only to understand that you can walk in inclusiveness and, and treat everybody the same, but there's an aspect of the love of God, the thing, the very thing he's asking you and I to, to be like, because that's what he measures us by, by the one commandment that he's given us, is that we would love one another as he has loved us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that it's more than just including everybody. There is a involvement with you and I that takes us to a greater level than just saying, yeah, I like you. Yeah, I like you. Yeah, you're part of me. Yeah, you're part of me. Yeah, let's all do this thing together. Let's be good buddies. Let's just enjoy one another. Let's just, you know what? Yeah, let's just include him. Just, yeah, let's all be one. Yeah, 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 let's be one. I, I want to tell you the truth is that the commandment is bigger than that. The commandment to love one another as I have loved you is more than just saying, yeah, you, I, I like you. You're part, yeah, yeah, I like you. Yeah, I won't hold my feelings against you. Yeah, yeah, what you do, yeah, I won't, no problem. I kind of think that Jesus was bigger than that. He didn't walk around saying, yeah, I like what you are, and yeah, yeah, you're cool. Yeah, I, Jesus said, you know what? I gave my life for you. I've rewritten the book so that I could have a relationship with you. And a relationship is more than just the casual inclusiveness. It's the relationship that I want to get involved with you. And quite frankly, that's where the rubber meets the road in life today, is people don't want to get involved with one another. They like people from a distance. I don't know where I'm, this is very, I am, I am preaching on fire this morning, because I can sense it. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't much comment on myself, but right now, I'm, I, God is on this. We have to understand that God desires for us to be different than the world. How do you get different in inclusionness? By involvement and by entering someone else's world. And you can't do that from a distance. You can't do that from Facebook. You can't do that from Instagram. You can't do that from Twitter. You may think you are. You may think you're involved. But you have to be able to say, you know what? I have to take the step into the land of face-to-face in your in-presence with one another. Well, wait a minute. How does that work? I feel like I'm all alone. I'm going through rough times. I'm going through difficult circumstances. How do I get the people to be involved with me and help me to get me to where I need to go? You don't know what I'm facing. As someone famous said once, It's not what your country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country. Meaning, it's not what people can do for you, it's what you do for people that breaks and allows that facade of closeness to become real close because you get involved with them. It's funny, when you begin to get involved with someone else, you begin to, they begin to appreciate and understand your sacrifice, your being, and they are more receptive to helping you after you've helped them than you waiting for them to come and help you. There's too many people today that are going around going, oh man, I just wish the pastor knew what I'm going through. Yeah, I'd wish I'd like to know too. But I'm not, I don't have, I don't have a revelation that all of a sudden that says, angel needs help. Okay. Hello, angel. I, I, I can't do that for, I can't do that on a on a grand scale. But you can, in your world, breaking t- into the people that are around you. You have a bad boss. Get involved with him and love him or her. Okay. You don't like where you are. Break the barrier. There's so many people that are out saying, it's time for me. I don't know, my preaching to just myself, but I'm... I really feel that the church is on the verge of a reformation one more time. Why? Because we got to get it. This whole thing of loving one another as I have loved you is the commandment. It's the one and only commandment Jesus gave. And guess what? It will cost more than your money. It'll cost more than your time. It's going to involve you. Oh, where where am I? 
I have a, a line here that says, and two lines actually, and we will never defile ourselves by going outside the lines to bring someone else in. Love is, all, is always willing to get dirty, but love somehow always stays clean. See, that's the context. If you take what's happening to Peter and what's taking place is the willingness is love is willing to get dirty, but you stay clean. That's what took place here because when you get to chapter 11, guess who is pointing the finger at Peter and saying, well, what's this about the Gentiles getting the Holy Spirit? It's funny, when God begins to break out of his box and do something new, what, what, who, are the mo- the, who are the people that are the most uh, critical, let's say, of that move? It's the very people that were in the first move are critical of what God is doing in the second move. And God's only moving, not to contradict himself, but to breaking out of our proverbial boxes because all he told us to do was to love one another as I have loved you. I'm winding things down because I'd like us to go to chapter 11 and read verses 15 to the end, verse 15 to 18. Shortly after I began to speak, Peter saying, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them just like what happened to us at the beginning. And I remembered the words of the Lord had told us, John immersed you in water, but I will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. So I concluded that if God is pleased to give them the same gift of the Holy Spirit that he gave us after the believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who am I to stand in the way of God? When they heard this, their objections were put to the rest, and they all glorified God, saying, look what God has done. He's giving the gift of repentance that leads to life to people who aren't even Jews. I guess maybe I should read that other than the, the passage translation because maybe I'm, I will lose you in translation. Yeah. There was a movie like that once, wasn't there? From the English Standard Version, it says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we were believed in the, whole, in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God granted repentance. That leads to life. And here's, here's the, the crux, 
is that Peter is telling the Jewish Christians what is taking place, and he sums things up from his perspective. And this is why this is so important, is... It leaves us with, with some questions that we have if we are, you know, I, I think most of us here in this room can agree with Christ's commandment to love one another as I have loved you. We can shake our head at that and say, yep, that's right, let's do it. But here, here are some things maybe we should think about. Can others get what you have? As you are living each and every day of your life, 24-7, are people getting what you have? Because ultimately, that's what God was doing when he brought the sheet of all the unclean animals. He was basically confronting Peter and saying, can the Gentiles get me? I'm going to dig a little deeper here. Can your coworker get what you have? Can your spouse get what you have? Can your children get what you have? Peter, the apostle who walked with Jesus, who basically messed up and God forgave him and said, feed my lambs. This is the guy who is sitting down and praying and gets a vision of this sheet that comes down. And he's asking, this, Jesus is ask, God is asking him the same question. Can others get what you got? I guess there's a ultimate, there's an, the supplement question to that is, what you have do other people want? Okay, now uh, the interesting looks are coming. And I, I just want to say is that, is that the understanding is that if we are in relationship to Jesus Christ and he, and he is a priority in our lives. There is a benefit and, a, and, a, and a, a connection that is blessing our lives. And guess what? That isn't just for us. And that goes back to the very song we ended with, in Heart of Worship. It's not about you. It's about him. So basically, our lives are this conduit that takes what he is all about, and it oozes out of our lives. The question is, what's oozing out of you? Is it always about what you don't have, about what is always missing? 
And this goes back to my very point at the beginning at communion time. I sit here and I can go and I can go, God, what is going on? It, and, it, and, the ref, and the point is that we can always take the things of God and we can go, oh my, and we go through this evaluation of what's taking place and we always come up missing, 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 missing. And even in this room, as I begin to tell you about what's oozing out of your life, you're going, well, it isn't Jesus. It's probably my anger. It's probably my lack. It's probably my... I don't want to give anything that's happening in my life away because it isn't very good. Baloney. Because if you look at the end of the book, at Revelation chapter 21, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I have completed that which you have... Desire is the very essence of your life has been completed in him. All he asks you to do is to satisfy your heart by, by drinking at the wall, at the, at the well. Him, he is the living water. And as you dwell in his presence, you begin to ooze out who Jesus is. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be able to give to others. The second question is, do you know when God is speaking? Let's, if you read the story this afternoon and go through Acts chapter 10 and 11, do you know when God is speaking to your life? Did you know that he is speaking even when things are crappy? He is speaking when you are in pain. He is speaking when you don't have enough. Because the very place that you are vulnerable and the very place that you fear is the place that life begins. That's where we got to, to right here and now over the surprises. It's the very thing, the very fear of death, the thing that bothers you the most is the place God wants to speak life and bring you to a new level so that you can release what he's already given you. It says in James that count it all joy when you face various trials and temptations because he plans to give you an upgrade. He doesn't plan for you to wallow and to sit back and go, oh my, it's happening to me again. Well, guess what? Get off the game plan and go and get and conquer your mountain because you already got it. Sorry if I look angry. But... I, I am so desiring for a greater, a greater place where the surprise of God is normal. God is speaking. He is there to encourage and to give you hope. It's a matter of for us to follow what he is saying. It's not so much that he's not speaking. It's the fact that we, des we desire not to do what he asked us to do. The third thing is, 
What words of Jesus do you know since you've received him? Peter says here, I remember the word of the Lord, how he said. If you want to know then what happens in the new reformation of what God wants to do in and through his church and to bring us into the life of great miracles and great purpose and great destiny, then we need to remember what he said. Sorry, I'm getting angry. I don't mean to get angry. I'm just... I, I, I want you to know is that if you... In any move of God, you will get, you can get duped if you don't understand what he said. Peter knew that this was of God because he ran all of a sudden, smack. Oh, yeah. He said, John, I'm going to baptize. And these guys are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, this is God. See, if you don't know what he said, if you can't remember what he said, then get back to remembering what he said. Write it on your mirror when you're looking at yourself in the face. In the mirror, looking at yourself in the face. When you're looking at your face in the mirror. (laughs) Begin to ponder the things of God and what Jesus said. And the first thing you can memorize is this. This is my new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Fourth, what has God done in you that you could recognize God moving in others? If you can't recognize what God has done in you, then you need to go and get an encounter right now, right away, and don't hold back. That's the first priority. That's why we have church. That's why we have worship services. That's why we have worship people that lead us into worship so we can encounter God together. There are many people that think that right now, I don't need to have church. I can do church on my own. I'm doing this reconstructuring thing. Guess what? Yes, you can encounter him at home, but you need to encounter with people. You have to be able to encounter him, and it's not a matter of sitting back and waiting for the, the, the leadership or the worship team to give us the holy goly fuzzies and warm tickles in our gizzard before we do anything. See, they've been given a, a, a leading of certain songs that they feel that God is leading us to talk, to sing about, and it is our voice as we sing them that allows us to encounter who he is together. You can't rest on your laurels and wait for cast to bring us into the presence of God. You can't. That's again, you're creating a positive scapegoat. You're saying, Cass, take us there, please. Please. Devin, could you please play the guitar? So much so I get warm fuzzies. We can't do that. We have to be able to say, God, you are already here. I'm revved up to get a hold of you right now. Recognizing that what God has done, he will do in others so that you can understand that if God takes place and blows the doors off of this building or he invites other people to come in as we talk about inclusiveness, that we're ready to say, yes, this is of God, and no, this is not, because you know you've already experienced who he is. 
And number five, a man, and I've said this before, maybe last, last week or the week before, a man with experience is never subject to a man with a theology. The workings of God will always bring the results of God. The workings of God will bring the results of God. The workings of God will bring the results of God. The workings of God will bring the results of God. Well, you know what? In Bethel, they have this cloud. I don't know about the cloud. It must be of the devil, the cloud. The workings of God bring the results of God. The workings of God bring the results of God. It's not about the cloud. It's about the end result of what God is doing. And God needs to be glorified in all that he does. And therefore, if the cloud brings glory to God, so be it. The issue is not in the controversy. The issue is in the result. And that's the point where we have to go is the end result of why this was okay is everybody went, okay, Peter, you're right. The reason why they could say you're right is because the end result meant that people of Gentile descent got a hold of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit got a hold of them and the same thing happened to them as happened on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, it is of God. You see, people, if, if we allow our brain to go numb with this issue and that issue and this issue and that issue or that didn't happen and that, we'll miss it out. It is the workings of God bring the results of God. And the result that you know if you go back to thinking about what he said, the result is that everyone would feel loved because Christ has loved you. Are you getting the point? Is that the revelation or the, rev the reformation of a, the church of the 21st and 22nd century, 23rd century, should Jesus tarry, is we will become more like him. That means that there'll be more than just a burger stand at a garage sale. I'm not against the, I think that's the perfect thing to do. That's the entry level. But guess what? There's more to it than just that. People would be able to say, you know, that church, that awakening church, you know, there's some things that are going on there, but they love people. They show love in everything that they do. The love of Christ is in them. And you know what? It sounds easy, but it's extremely hard. Because in order to show the true love of Christ, you have to love people who are in the prickle of it.